There is a phenomenon in next-gen ministry, in youth ministry specifically. Our, uh, you know, churches have a turnover rate of lifetimes. Youth ministry has a turnover rate of about seven years. There will be a complete new youth group every seven years, and we are in a rebuilding phase. Most of our group is junior high, and because most of our group is junior high, they are quite shy. So you're going to be hearing more from me than we normally would. Um, there's some other circumstances that have kind of led to uh, today's me talking more than otherwise situation. If you really want to know about it, I'll tell you later. I don't want to put a damper on the day. But what I do want to do is put those papers right there because that's where I put my stuff on Wednesday night. What I do want to do is kick this off with a blog I wrote a few years ago. It's called, What If We Aren't Trees? When you look at the cross-section of an old tree, you see history. You see the increase of the good years. You see the stagnation of the bad years. You see years when there was plenty, and you see years when there was little. And you can look at old scars that have healed over. I think that when many of us think about our lives, we consider the years that we have lived to pile on like growth rings on a tree. Our baby years found in the innermost core of the tree, followed by our childhood rings, then adolescent rings, followed by our young adult rings, and so on. When we look back on the cross-section of our lives, sometimes we see rings that are thin and dark, marking years of struggle, heartache, and underdevelopment. The more we look at the cross-section of our lives, the less we tend to view the big, healthy rings, and we tend to focus more on the thin, black rings. We focus more on our struggles, mistakes, and failures than we focus on the good. And then... Because all of these dark rings are still in our tree, we decide that we are still failures. Not because of who we are today, not because of what this season is bringing to the new rings in our tree, but because we feel that at the core of our being, lying under our skin, in our past, we were failures. And that stamp is part of who we are. But today I ask this question, what if we aren't trees? What if the core of our being isn't the mistakes of our past? What if the core of our being is Jesus Christ and his love for us? What if the central vein of our existence is a river of living water that always provides and never runs dry? 2 Corinthians 5.17 This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. And a new life has begun. Today is all about our completely new life that has begun in Christ. Today we are talking about our reborn identity. There is power in the words that you claim as your identity. What you believe about yourself can make or rise a calamity. It could fill you with compassion or steal your life away with enmity. This world is consumed with all this kind of thievery. They try to tell you who you are to define your humanity. Well, and we start to listen and believe all these lies from society. Well, I say that's blasphemy. You are not defined by the words of your neighbor. You are only defined by the love of your maker. For those of you who have cried until you breathed your last breath, you grabbed your chest, ripped it open because you think you have nothing left. You need to be filled, but you are blind to the filler. You need to be healed, but cannot see the healer. For those of you who have fallen on your knees consistently until they bleed for just a glimpse of what he sees, of what you were made to be as a son or daughter of the king meant to live in eternity. For those of you who have lost all your hope, you see shame. You look in the mirror and you see shame. You play this game tossing love and hate back and forth like a rat race. Well, guess what? This is no game. This is your identity. Please read the Bible and open up those blind eyes to the God who's in love with you, who looks into those glazed eyes and knocks down that puff pride, holding you tightly in his arms to protect you. I hope that you will come to understand the term identity. You will open up his world and the Holy Spirit move through your skin so that bursting out of your pores is the truth that you are made of him. God, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, Yahweh, Lord Jehovah, I am Emmanuel and Adonai. You are sealed, you are secure, you are holy and blameless, loved, beautiful, beautiful, cared for. His power is made perfect in your weakness. You are adopted and forgiven. You are healed and significant. You want to push away your past, and you want to believe it, but you say, you don't know what I've been through. No, you haven't lived it. I've been cheated, faded, broken, 
jaded, complacent, traded, ignored, hated, judged, laden. I've been betrayed, afraid, relayed, dismayed. I've been disgraced, erased, replaced, two-faced, unchaste. I've been tormented by, I've been. I've been pushed away. I've been turned in, worn thin, backslid, and committed sin. Please, I beg don't focus on the I've been. Center your attention on the one and only I am. I am will change who I am. I am not talking about your identity because we know that is solidified in the cross of which your Savior, Jesus Christ, died. Rather, I am talking about the I am that is in your behavior that you tend to identify yourself by. You see, we start to believe in Satan's lie, that the way we act and behave, well, that's how we are identified. But no, the truth resides. What you believe about yourself affects the way you behave. This way, we are not slaves stuck in society's maze, so we can get past those insecurities and believe that we are worthy. We can hold fast to his truth, knowing it's the only thing that sets us free. You do not need to sit and wallow in your sadness, and you do not need to wear a mask to the masses. So take off your cover, find refuge in the lover, and then you will discover all the all the strength you refuse to mutter, your true self is uncovered. And the one that God intended can now be shared among brothers. Wow, what a sight to be found, a hope that I have now, to be awoken by the sounds and shouts of praises of the bowed, and they can finally see who they're made to be. As a child of the king, an heir to Jesus, secured in his innocence, the blood that was shed so we can live in his blessedness. This is your identity. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh, Emmy. Well, go out and give them heaven, I guess. (laughs) Oh, that'd be fun, wouldn't it, if we just all left right now? Meet you at Pizza Ranch, gorge ourselves, it'll be wonderful. Okay, so I'm going to be guilty of a speaking sin this morning. I'm going to mix metaphors, if only slightly, because I did just spend a little bit of time telling you that we are not like trees. But what if we are just a little bit? Now, granted, our past does not define us, and that is absolutely true. But let's say that our past still affects us, because that is absolutely true. Anybody not experience their past still affecting them? My past does not define me, but my past still affects me. So may I tell you a story? Uh, well, actually, you know, let me back up just a hair because I forgot to read the Bible. That's kind of important. Romans 12.2. Do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. Transform means fundamentally change. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Okay, so last Easter, my family and I were invited to uh, uh, Lee and Jeannie Theory's house for Thanksgiving, and we had a wonderful time. And I was sitting in their living room, looking out this big window that they have on the side uh, of the living room, and across this big old field towards uh, Rapid Creek, there were all these trees. Massive, massive trees. And I didn't realize how far away they were, but when I got close, because uh, I, I went, some of them were like laying like this, but on the ground, they were like this tall. So they were feet wide instead of a foot wide. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, if you guys follow me on social media at all, uh, if you're interested in the things that I make, the things that I build, you really want to be following me on Instagram, not Facebook, because Facebook is for family and for jokes and funniness. Uh, Instagram is for photos. So I, I put most of my stuff there if you're interested in that. But I looked over there and I said, what are all those trees? And Jim was there that day because it was his family. And uh, Jim Waldrop, he says, uh, well, that's all there for free. You can have it. Anybody can have it for firewood or whatever. Uh, the city just doesn't want to have to deal with it, but eventually they'll take it and they're going to bury it or burn it. Like that's all it is. And there were just massive, massive trees. So the kids and I drive home and with Pam and we get home and I'm just like, yeah, I'm going back. So Easter Sunday afternoon, I, get, I grab my work gloves and the kids and we, we run back out to this field and uh, we go digging and we find a few. There were very few logs that were still small enough for me to get in my tiny little Chevy Colorado pickup. Uh, but we grabbed the ones that were there. And this is one of those. 
This is one of those. It used to be about five feet long. Uh, now he's uh, about 18 inches long or so. And, um, you know, as I was looking at him, as I was looking at the log, I was like, what can I do with this? And I have a lathe. I like to turn things on the lathe. So I was like, I could, I could form something there. I could make a bowl. I could try some different stuff. Well, turns out this is cottonwood. And I'm a new, a relatively new woodworker, and I don't know a lot about woods. But I do know that cottonwood is generally considered useless because it has really long wood fibers and uh, it cracks and splits. You can see the cracks and splits in this. Um, it's not a good wood for furniture or art or any of that kind of stuff for the most part. People just generally say, burn it or throw it out. It's not worth anything. But I am my father's son and free wood is good wood. <laughs> so uh, I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it. And finally one day I go out and I cut it up and I start to see something and I start to work on it. Now over weeks and weeks, and if you follow me on Facebook, you watch this process, but over weeks and weeks of work, I finally made my chainsaw bear. <laughs> now he's not perfect and I messed up a few times and it turns out like his arms were supposed to be up here, but um, it's hard to cut angles like this with a chainsaw. Like, I'm right-handed, so this side worked well, but this side I messed up because I'm, I'm right-handed. And uh, so I messed up a little bit. I had to put his hands down here, but I, I wanted to make a bear. I wanted to use a chainsaw for the ma major work. I used an angle grinder for, for the rest of it. Um, and then I used, like, my kitchen torch for the ears, eyes, and nose to darken them so that it's burned. Uh, it's not painted. And um, I just kind of worked on him and worked on him until a bear emerged. And you know what? It's still the same tree. It's still the same wood, but now he lives out in my front yard and he welcomes guests and visitors and people that drive by. And I've gotten to have conversations with my neighbors. They come by and I got some more wood uh, recently. I, I went out in the hills and got a permit and got some wood uh, recently and a neighbor guy stopped by and says, hey, are you gonna carve something else? Well, I wasn't thinking about it, but probably. Uh, so what does this have to do with us and what does this have to do with our identity? The maker decides what we are. The world called this useless, trash, not good for anything but burning or throwing out. But the maker saw something. And over time, again, this took me a couple of months because I would work on them for a little bit and then I would just kind of walk around and look at it and walk around and look at it for weeks. And then I would come and work on it a little bit more. And then I'd look at it for a few weeks until I decided where I wanted to go and how I wanted to do it. And so it took time. It took a lot of time. And you know, all the history is still in there. The good years, the bad years, they're in there, but they don't define it because this is not a trash log. This is my chainsaw bear. <laughs> Which is cute, uh, but you know what? There's a guy named Max Lucado who wrote a book. And we have, uh, in my house, we have a... Um, Kind of a tradition that started mostly since Xander broke his arm. Uh, Pam has read to the kids at bedtime for most of their lives just because I'm so, like, fried by that part of the day. I'm just like, just get me bed, just get me bed. But when Xander broke his arm, he needed more personal attention from me. So we started reading, not this kind of book, we started reading novels, big books. And uh, I do all the character voices and do the best that I can anyway. I'm not an actor by any means, but I try. I'm not going to do that for you this morning. And not, at least not on purpose. But I do want to read this book to you, okay? <clears throat> so, Toby, I am going to jump to page one. Very good. The Wemmicks were small wooden people. All of the wooden people were carved by a woodworker named Eli. His workshop sat on a hill overlooking their village. Each Wemmick was different. Some had big noses, others had large eyes. Some were tall and others were short. Some wore hats, others wore coats. But all were made by the same carver and all lived in the village. Turn the page. And all day, every day, the Wemmicks did the same thing. They gave each other stickers. Each Wemmick had a box of gold st golden star stickers and a box of gray dot stickers. No, are they running on their own? I'm on page two. Up and down the streets all over the city, people spent their days sticking stars or dots on one another. The pretty ones, those with smooth wood and fine paint, always got stars. But if the wood was rough or, paint, or the paint chipped, the Wemmicks gave dots. The talented ones got stars too. 
Some could lift big sticks high above their heads or jump over tall boxes. Still others knew big words or could sing pretty songs. Everyone gave them stars. Some Wemmicks had stars all over them. Every time they got a star, it made them feel so good. It made them want to do something else and get another star. Others, though, could do little. They got dots. Punchinello was one of these. He tried to jump high like the others, but he always fell. And when he fell, the others would, grant, would gather around and give him dots. Sometimes when he fell, his wood got scratched, so the people would give him more dots. Then, when he would try to explain why he fell, he would say something silly, and the Wemmicks would give him more dots. After a while, he had so many dots that he didn't want to go outside. He was afraid he would do something dumb, such as forget his hat or step in the water, and some people would give him another dot. In fact, he had so many gray dots that some people would come up and give him one for no reason at all. He deserves lots of dots, the wooden people would agree with one another. He's not a good wooden person. After a while, Punchinello believed them. I'm not a good Wemmick, he would say. The few times he went outside, he hung around the other Wemmicks, who had a lot of dots. He felt better around them. One day, he met a Wemmick who was unlike any he'd ever met. He, she had no dots or stars. She was just wooden. Her name was Lucia. It wasn't that people didn't try to give her stickers. It's just that the stickers didn't stick. Some of the Wemmicks admired Lucia for having no dots, so they would run up and give her a star, but it would fall off. Others would look down on her for having no stars, so they would give her a dot, but it wouldn't stay either. That's the way I want to be, thought Punchinello. I don't want anyone's marks. So he asked the stickerless Wemmick how she did it. It's easy, Lucia replied. Every day I go see Eli. Eli? Yes, Eli, the woodcarver. I sit in the workshop with him. Why? Why don't you go find out for yourself? Go up on the hill. He's there. And with that, the Wemmick who had no stickers turned and skipped away. But will he want to see me, Punchinello cried out. Lucia didn't hear, so Punchinello went home. He sat near a window and watched the wooden people as they scurried around, giving each other stars and dots. It's not right, he muttered to himself, and he decided to go see Eli. He walked up the narrow path to the top of the hill and stepped into the big shop. His wooden eyes widened at the size of everything. The stool was as tall as he was. He had to stretch on his tiptoes to see the top of the workbench. A hammer was as long as his arm. Punchinello swallowed hard. I'm not staying here, and he turned to leave. Then he heard his name. Punchinello? The voice was deep and strong. Punchinello stopped. Punchinello, how good to see you. Come, let me have a look at you. Punchinello turned slowly and looked at the large bearded craftsman. You know my name? The little Wemmick asked. Of course I do. I made you. Eli stooped down and picked him up and set him on the bench. Hmm, the maker spoke thoughtfully as he looked at the gray dots. Looks like you've been given some bad marks. I didn't mean to, Eli. I really tried hard. Oh, you don't have to defend yourself to me, child. I don't care what other Wemmicks think. You don't? No, and you shouldn't either. Who are they to give stars or dots? They're Wemmicks just like you. What they think doesn't matter, Punchinello. All that matters is what I think, and I think you are pretty special. Punchinello laughed. Me? Special? Why? I can't walk fast. I can't jump. My paint is peeling. Why do I matter to you? Eli looked at Punchinello, put his hands on those small wooden shoulders, and spoke very slowly. Because you're mine. That is why you matter to me. Punchinello had never had anyone look at him like this, much less his maker. He didn't know what to say. Every day I've been hoping you'd come, Eli explained. I, I came because I met someone who had no marks, said Punchinello. I know. She told me about you. Why don't the stickers stay on her? The maker spoke softly. Because she has decided that what I think is more important than what they think. The stickers only stick if you let them. What? The stickers only stick if they matter to you. The more you trust my love, the less you care about their stickers. I, I'm not sure I understand. Eli smiled. You will, but it will take time. You've got a lot of marks. 
For now, just come see me every day and let me remind you how much I care. Eli lifted Punchinello off the bench and set him on the ground. Remember, Eli said as the Wemmick walked out the door, you are special because I made you and I don't make mistakes. Punchinello didn't stop, but in his heart he thought, I think he really means it. And when he did, a dot fell to the ground. So regardless of where you find yourself this morning, if you feel like you're a failure because of where you've been and what you've done and how you, what you've experienced and, and how you've treated life, uh, you're not who you were. God doesn't roll that way. Because when we come to Jesus, we're made into a new creation. And you know what? Even though our past still affects us, God is continuously walking around the log that is us and saying, you know, I think I'm going to cut a little bit of this off. I think I'm, I I'm going to remove some of these scars. I'm going to remove some of this past. And everything is part of who we are. But who we are is not who the world sees us as or who we once were, but is who God is creating us and making us to be. We are going to end in a way that I'm kind of excited about and I'm also kind of nervous about because we've not done this before. <laughs> I have four volunteers that are coming up. Bella, Cash, Emmy, and Gideon, please come join me. Everybody feel free to take a spot at our table. We are going to have a discussion with the next gen. Yay! So basically, this is going to be a panel discussion. It's just going to be a conversation between me and them, and you guys get to watch, okay? Uh, I have given them the questions that I'm going to ask ahead of time, but I also warned that, so that they could be prepared, but I also uh, let them know that we're going to have a conversation, and if we go a different direction than where the questions are, or if the questions lead us somewhere, we're just going to go, okay? So we're going to start with a couple of warm-up questions. Just a couple of simple questions. You guys each have your microphone in front of you. Uh, go ahead and pick those up and hold them until we're done. Because otherwise, if you put them up and down, it'll pop and Jeffrey's going to lose his mind because he won't be able to mute fast enough. Uh, so just hold those until we're done. But um, I want everybody to have a chance to talk, everybody to have a chance to share. So question number one, what is your favorite flavor of Skittles and why is it the best? <laughs> Don't look at me like you're surprised. I put it in the thing. I texted all of you. I, okay, but I didn't get a chance to look at it. I like the berry Skittles, the strawberry one. Can you hold that up like, a little closer? I like the berry Skittles. I just think the berry ones are better. Do you mean berry. like the whole packet or just the flavor? Just I'm going to let you Skittles. decide. She decided to go with the whole berry pack. Yeah, the purple purple Skittle pack. Okay. Probably if you want to go specific, you can go just specific. Just original. Just original Skittles. Do you like original original or lime original, which is actually original? Without the green apple. Because green apple is now... Lime is before. With green apple. With green apple? Yeah. No joke. I don't, think, I don't think I've told you this, but when I was in college, I, had, uh, I lived on the third floor, and I had the, uh, a thing of Skittles, and there was a bird that lived outside my window, and I hated the lemon and lime so much that when this bird would squeak at me and I needed to throw something at it to make him leave, I would use those. So, like, I'm 19 years old whipping Skittles out my window. Okay. Maybe. I don't have a favorite Didn't say it. So they can hear you. Mic up. I like all Skittles. <laughs> Skittles are wonderful. Okay? And cash. Sour Skittles. Sour Skittles. Xander is with you. My son loves those. Fantastic. Okay. Let's do one more really quick. Really quick. Okay? Is a hot dog a sandwich? <laughs> no. 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 Never thought about it. It's its own it. thing. So either it's not or you haven't thought about it. Yes. It has like... The connection, like, between the loads. Oh, like, it's, it's not a whole separate. Other thing. Yeah. yeah. So you then break the bun, then it's a sandwich. <laughs> but but that, that, logic, that logic means that every Subway sandwich is actually not a sandwich as well. It's Wait, a hot what? dog. They cut it. They cut it when... Not all the way. Oh. Oh. Just kidding. Okay, that's fine. That's Subway. fair. That's fair. All right, let's move forward. Um, let's start with number one. How do you feel social media affects one's identity? No, <laughs> That's a big question. You guys are, I know, I know it's a big Ooh. question, but it doesn't have to be a long answer, but you guys are all on social media. Uh, I'm connected with you guys there, so I think you all have an idea. Well, on Instagram, um, people will post stuff like, follow these steps and it will get you Instagram followers, like mm -hmm. popular on Instagram. So, 
I'd say that they just, on social media, they just want to be seen. People just want to have followers and feel, like, big. Okay. And it affects that. Sometimes you could post all sorts of stuff on Instagram and it could get likes, but if you actually meet that person, you won't know it's them unless you actually have a connection to them. Okay, so how do you feel that, uh, that affects, like, a person's, like, ability to understand who they are? Like, those are wonderful thoughts and they're perfect. I just want to see where you're going with that, right? Like, how does that affect one's identity? Because um, they're, they're not being who they truly are because social media kind of overtakes them. It's, instead of a tool, it's them. Mm -hmm. Perfect. So, yeah, nice. I think my self-worth goes really up and down when it comes to social media. Sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, like, people are giving me all this, like, love and I feel it and I'm, like, I... I'm getting more confident, and other times I'm like, oh gosh, this photo, like, my eye is looking a wrong way or something, and it just bothers me, and it bothers me, because you just want to be this perfect image on social media that you can't be in real life, and I think that definitely affects me, but also, it, at the same time, I'm, I enjoy, like, social media, but you can definitely be torn down and people are also can be really rude on the internet because they can hide behind their screens mm -hmm. and so people can attack you on a whole new level. Yeah, like what they said, it can definitely change you but that's kind of your choice. You can let it change you or you can not let it affect you at all. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to meet Cash. He's been part of Elevate for a while because he's been coming to camps, but it's this year that he got to come to Rapid City and he's going to school here this year and he gets to come and hang out with us. And if there's one thing I want you to know about Cash, it's that that dude is like quiet but wise. He's got a lot of, God's given him some He's like Yoda. He's, he's a youth group's Yoda. Yoda in a purple hoodie. Oh yeah. All right, fantastic guys. Let's move on. Um, You should also know some of these questions we discussed at Youth on Wednesday night, and it's actually the youth group that wrote the bulk of these questions, okay? Question number two, how would you respond to someone who believes that we are simply living to die? I think that's hard to believe, honestly. Like, our world is so, everything fits so perfectly that, like, how could this just happen? Um, our bodies are just crazy. All the different functions that we have, it's just, how could someone just... I don't know. I think it's just so hard to believe in, from my perspective of just that we're, we're all just like living here to die. Well, I just learned that our bodies weren't on electricity like a month ago. So <laughs> the fact that somebody's saying we're living to die just doesn't make sense because why would God give us such an amazing gift just for us to die? Okay. Let me modify the question. Someone who says that we're just living to die is probably someone who's not a Christian that just believes we are machines yeah. that run until we run out. Mm -hmm. uh, so what would you say to a person that's like maybe feeling down and they're like, man, we're just here living to die. What would you tell them specifically uh, regarding their identity and who maybe they've been called to be? Like, what would you want that person to know? When you're speaking to their broken heart, what would you want them to know? That they have a purpose in life and that there's a lot more than just living and dying. Yeah. There's, you can touch people's lives through your life and it's, um, even after, like our soul is eternal, so our soul will go to heaven. Maybe your body's dead, but you're not really dead. That doesn't really make sense, but. All right, very good. Any other thoughts on this? Okay, let's do. All right, we seem to have a serious problem with depression, specifically guilt-driven depression in the church, right? Because you'd think that we have Jesus, everybody would be super happy but things are trending, seem to be trending the other direction, right? So we have a problem with, with uh, guilt-driven depression in the church. Why do you think that is? I think we don't get the full story all the time. Um, we're told that like we're perfect in his eyes and we are loved, which is true, but some people just like, they don't get the full story. They're like, well, actually, I'm not. I'm, this is what's going on in my life. This is my past. This is what I'm dealing with. And people don't, they're like, well, actually, that's not me. And so they, they just have this predisposed idea that that's not them and they don't relate to what we're talking about. Or, or, or people, they come to church and they expect 
love, which is what we try to give. But we, we, sometimes people will come to a church, like a new church, and they'll be like, oh, I've heard that they'll just totally bring me in, which is what, every, which, what a church should try to do. But if they don't, sometimes we don't fill their expectations, and so they kind of feel lost, or they don't feel included, which is maybe they just need, it's us and them at the same time, is what I think. Abby, thoughts? Um, I think a lot of people, they, they want love and they want that, um, but they won't accept it. They, they're like, oh, I have this, this, and this, it's okay. I don't need God, I don't need, or maybe I do, but they just, they're not going at it the right way. I don't know. Cash, what do you think? <laughs> I feel people from past experiences don't feel they deserve it and they push it away before they have a chance of actually being loved and feeling what it's like absolutely I agree completely you guys are pretty sharp aren't they yeah. okay so then along the same lines say you're, you're having a conversation with someone and they're just really down they're in the church Maybe they're kind of experiencing some of the things that you guys have, have talked to. What would you want them to know? What would you want them to understand? How would you speak to their heart? Uh, well, if, if it was me, I'd like, if they were into sports, I'd go throw the football with them or shoot a basketball with them and just talk to them about life. You just want them to know they're loved, even if it's only one person or to, or even if it is just God, they just need to know and feel that they are loved and they have a purpose and life is worth living. You have a purpose and the reason you woke up today is because you had a purpose. He has a purpose for you and he's working on it and it's, it's not time to give up. Amen. Cash? Do what makes you happy. If anybody says that's dumb or that's stupid and it makes you happy, they have no right to judge because that's what you like. Yeah. And God gives us desires and, and joy for a reason, right? What is your favorite flavor of gum and why well, is it the best? They're different. They are different. The warm-up questions have to catch you off guard. They I like work. mint gum. Mint gum. What kind of mint? There's more than one mint. Uh, yeah. There's like blue, green. Well, I like the, like the extra peppermint I, brand. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. Gideon's like, Green tastes good. Green, <laughs> yum. I like the, I like I the like flavor the green. green. One. Green is the best. The lemon cube gums, because I don't know, they taste, they taste better. Okay, well, want to get that mic up? The lemon cube gum. I, I personally like bubble gum. Like bubble like gum? The like, like the pink? Yeah, like the, the thick, standard the classic. really thick square stuff that makes your jaw sore. That makes, yeah, that's a workout for your really jaw. <laughs> Yeah, if if he's not you, working Cash? something out, he's not happy. Cash? Five. 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 Which flavor? Five. Spearmint. Nice. Very nice. I'm a winter mint guy, just in case anybody's wondering. Winter mint for sure. For sure. Okay, one more warm-up question. Again, these don't matter. They're just kind of to get everybody comfortable and flowing and talking. Pineapple on pizza. Yes. That's a joke. Mm. Yes. No. no. Yes. No. Why? I think it's delicious. It's a fruit. I'm picky. <laughs> so it, it's okay to put fr um, vegetables on pizza, but not fruit? It's not okay to put vegetables either. It's tomatoes. <laughs> Gideon, tomato sauce. But what are tomatoes? Dude, tomatoes are a fruit and a vegetable. It's They're tomato paste. <laughs> it's All right. This is what I wanted. This is why these questions exist. Okay, we're good now. We're moving forward. And um, here's a question. That I, like, like, I need your opinion because you're next-gen. This is your, your message. Do, we, do you want me to ask the same questions I asked last time from this point forward? No. Or do we want to do different ones? I different want you to do ones. the first one the same. At least that was a really same. good question, yeah. Okay, I yeah, do the first one. Okay, first one the same. How do you feel social media affects one's identity? Hmm. I think there's negative and positive aspects of it. Sometimes I feel like social media really boosts my confidence because, oh, yay, I'm getting like 100 likes on this. Or um, people are saying like, oh, you're so pretty. And like it boosts my confidence. But other times it's like I focus so much on the quality of what I'm posting that it becomes 
a game almost that where I'm just fighting to figure out like it it almost it takes away my confidence because I'm scared that like someone's gonna not say something pleasant because I'm scared that I'm not as pretty as I am yeah people tend to hide behind social media they um, use it as a cover and they post about stuff that they want to be or wish they could be or not truly who they really are um, and so I think sometimes social media um, you're like oh my gosh I see this perfect model or sports person and I want to be just like them but really they're not that perfect those pictures aren't that real and what they're saying and what they're doing, that may not be true 100% of the time. Well, I, I think all social media is a tool, and it's not, but people are using it as their identity instead of a, just a tool to contact your friends or see, um, just have more fun with. I think it was originally designed to be a tool, but people are just kind of, it's just kind of consuming who they are. Cash? I think it really depends because you can choose to be a part of something that's negative with social media or you could choose just to document things about yourself, things that are true about you. And if you find things negative, just try not to let it bother you. Very good. So would you guys agree that social media is affecting the, uh, per sorry, the, the, what are we talking about today? <laughs> identity. Do you think it is affecting the identities of the people around us? Yes. yes. Absolutely. A lot. Okay. 100%. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so this is a three-part question, and we're going to run it uh, one at a time. And I actually have a response to one of these questions by a another student who does not want to come and share in person, but they will text it behind the scenes. So I'm going to share that with you guys here uh, and after these guys have a chance. But here's the, que the first part of the question. How does God see people? <laughs> you don't have um. to raise your hand. <laughs> An answer in the form of a question. So, homeschooler? Everybody here loves presents, right? Because everybody's eager to open a present. I feel like in God's eyes, we're a present. We, and he is that six-year-old boy on a Christmas morning eager to tear into you. And <laughs> Okay! Um. <laughs> it's like Sean, first service. and just overwhelm you with his love and goodness. That's how I feel he sees us. Very good. I think he sees us as a masterpiece, which it talks about in scripture that we are his like prized possessions and we are like, we are his and he made us the way he wanted us to be, no matter what we think. So I think it's just like how we think we're, something's wrong with us, but really we're just another one of his masterpieces. Other thoughts, you guys? Emmy, Cash? That you are worth way more than anybody in this planet could ever tell you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen. I wasn't gonna say this, this is a service, but you guys know Cash. Uh, he's been at camps with us for four or five years now. And this year he got to come to Rapid City to go to school and he's with us now. And guys, this is Cash. He's an awesome guy and I want you to get to know him. He just for the record, he's the youth group's Yoda. <laughs> Never takes his headphones off, he does. Okay. Second part, oh, uh, the, the thing that another student wanted to share uh, in answer to this question, how does God see people? I think God wants everyone to know that they are beautiful just the way they are. And he thinks of them as one of his children no matter what other people think or say. Okay, so second part of the question, how should we see people? Um, I think that we should try and try our best to see people the way God does, even though we're all not perfect and so we're not going to be able to do that. But you just, you need to look at someone and you need not to judge them and you just say, you are beautiful just how you are. You are loved, even if you don't feel it um, or see it. We just need to try to be as close to God as we can. God loves us for all of our mistakes and all of our scars. And I think that, yeah, he wants us to love um, them the way he loves us. Or love them the way they are. 
don't try to change them. Just love them for the gifts they have and for the gifts he gave them. Instead of trying to change the gifts they gave them, just support the gifts he gave them. Very good. Cash, do you have any thoughts? To have an open mindset when meeting new people, that they may like some things you do and you might not like things they do, and vice versa. Okay. Very good. Very good. You guys are killing this. I'm so happy with how this is turning out. Last part of this question. Okay, you ready? Last part of this question. How should we see ourselves? Do you see what I did to him? you see that? <laughs> there shouldn't be a change in our answers. Um, I think we should have self-confidence, but not pride. I think Which that's is, a thing, sorry, I think that's a thing that people, a lot of people struggle with is because they want to feel beautiful, they want to tell themselves they're beautiful, they want to have courage and all this, but then some people get mad and they get angry and they're like, well, you're so self-centered, why are you keep looking in the mirror at yourself thinking you're so pretty? And so that is a really, like, conflicting thing and, and there's good sides saying you need to you do need to feel beautiful in whatever you do and whatever you wear and what you look like. Um, but some people just get angry and very jealous in a way that um, they just don't feel that from themselves and they can't say or do the things that make them feel beautiful and stuff. <laughs> um, so I think it's definitely like, it's easy to tell people that like, you should love yourself because God loved you first, but it's really hard to tell yourself that because we see all these things that other people don't. And I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with, just dealing with your own self-worth because you see all the negative aspects. And I, I, I wish I saw myself the way God does, but I don't know if I do. That's fair. Would it frustrate you for me to... Cash, did you want to share anything on that before I move forward? Okay. Would it frustrate you for me to tell you that the answer to the first question should be the answer for the second question should be the answer for the third question? They're pretty much all the same. They are. <laughs> we kind of worded it differently. And that's the challenge. That's the challenge. Okay. So, because ultimately our own identity is affected by the way that we see ourselves. We tend, to, we tend to label ourselves, just like in that video we watched, we tend to label ourselves the same way that we see ourselves, but we need to be looking at ourselves through God's lens, right? Just like when we, we, we like, like uh, uh, Patricia was sharing with us last year, we need to look at the world through God's lens. We need to look at ourselves through God's lens as well. Okay, let's see here. This is kind of in the same vein, but a little bit different. Who does God say that you are? See, now they're wishing that they told me to ask the questions from last service. Wait, wait, wait. Is this one of the questions you sent us? This yes. is? Oh, man, I didn't look very closely. It's F. Repeat the question. Who does God... Repeat the question. <laughs> Who does God say that you are? Um... Beautiful and a diamond in his eyes. Like Loved, cherished, like a diamond. one of a kind, holy. <laughs> we are the bride of Christ. Cash? I have nothing to share. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. That was my favorite one. Because it's really, really easy. One, one year um, we were having a, a discussion on identity and I brought over little mirrors for everyone. And I kind of tricked them into taking this mirror and talking to themselves and looking in the mirror. And that's the hardest thing to do. But our identity isn't about us. It's not about what we think. It's not about who we, how we feel. It's not about what we know about ourselves. It's about who God says we are. And God says, I am his. And because I am his, I have value. And I have uh, uh, substance and I matter. I belong. These are all things that I can say about myself, not because I feel them, but because that's who God is and that's what God says about me. Okay, we are going to ask the last question, uh, just in case you guys have anything you want to share. Do you have any parting thoughts before we move on? Anything you just want these guys to hear? Yes. God loves you. God. No, we should all say it at the same time. Oh. In unison. Oh, but that would have been, like, weird. 
and I, I would have been like, it would have been weird and like too much for me. It would have been, okay, fine. It would have been so sweet my teeth would have fallen out, but fine. Any, any thoughts? Don't let your body define your identity. Let God and the Holy Spirit work through you and define who you are through that. Very good. Very good. Thank you, Cash. Thanks, guys. Let's give these guys a hand. And our good buddy, Cash, has one final parting thought for you guys. God spends a lot of time in the Bible telling us who we are. It's almost as if he knew that we would doubt who that was from time to time. It's as if he saw it coming, that we'd spend our whole lives searching for what our identity, what our real name was. That there would be many moments in our lives where we would let different kinds of names define who we are. When we've looked in the mirror, compared ourselves to pictures, and heard the name ugly. When we've been left by loved ones, people you trusted once, and heard the name unworthy. When we've been drowning in discouragement, living in the seemingly never-ending crisis and heard the name forgotten. When we've had our hopes up and our hearts open, only to be brought down by closed doors and we've heard rejected. When we looked for infinite affirming love through lesser physical fleshy versions. When we gave it away or when it was stolen and we heard impure, we heard garbage. When we go to other voices to ease our pain and we hear addict here forever broken when we feel like we're living in the shadow of someone else's calling and we're here second place when our pain cripples us to a point where we don't even know how to let others in and we hear lonely when our past seems too gross for others to forgive and we hear disgusting it's overwhelming these voices we're constantly hearing it's suffocating this air of constant critique and comparing and it's sort of amazing the people whose voices I've allowed to name me. The power I've given my past to my mirror and to my surroundings enable them to identify me. The amount of years I've spent living up to whatever others say over me. But God says something else about me. It's like he knew there would be other voices so he wrote his own voice down in a timeless book of truth that would remind us over and over again in the moments when lies would block his truths and somehow make us feel forgotten. I'm going back to the source, not the people I've allowed to represent God to me, but the actual literal, tangible words that he has written down for me, and there's some other names he gives to me. John 15, 15, he calls me friend. 1 Thessalonians 1, 4, he calls me chosen. Ephesians 2.10, he calls me his workmanship, he calls me his art, he calls me handmade, purposed, fashioned for good things. 1 Corinthians 16, he calls me, he calls my body a temple, he calls it the residence of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, he calls me his messenger to the world. Galatians 3.26, he calls me his child. Romans 5.8, he calls me greatly loved. John 8, 36, he calls me free, free indeed. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he calls me brand new. And it's amazing how different these names are from the names I'm used to listening to and in my journey to discover who I really am. In my battle to uncover the truth of myself, I've learned something new about my name. And now, this is what I am certain of. My name is not the name the world calls me. My name is the name, is not the name my past calls me. My name is not even the name my own mirror calls me, but my name, my name is the name I answer to, and I can choose today from this moment forward to answer a new, to a new name. When I hear lonely, that's not me. When I hear disgusting or unworthy, that's not me. I don't even look over my shoulder when I hear that. When I hear broken, they must have me confused. Please look elsewhere. When I hear ugly, abandoned, useless, forgotten, I figure someone just has to remind them. Maybe those were my old names, but they're no longer the names that I respond to. 
My name is a name I've chosen to spend my days living up to. And if these other voices are not saying the same thing that the truth is, I look in my mirror and repeat this. They have no right to be speaking to you. When you stop answering to your old names, they stop having power over you. The names that my father, eternity's author, the world's creator, has called me are the only names that I answer to. When I hear friend of God, that's my name. God's workmanship, that's my name. Chosen and loved, wanted, created with a purpose, that's my name. God's temple and God's messenger, that's my name. Free child of God, you must be looking for me. Greatly loved, you must be calling for me. Brand new, that is the name that I that is the name that I respond to. The enemy has no power here. Perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love has named me and you. So what is your new name? What is stirring up inside of you when you hear those words? That his word, that the word inside of you or has proclaimed. What do you know is the name God is calling you? Maybe it's not the name you grew up with. Maybe it's not the name your old friends associate you with. Maybe it's not the name that your whole life you were used to identifying with. But it's the name you answer to. So when the enemy tries to get to you, it's the name you introduce yourself with. As for me, my name is forgiven. My name is free. My name is brand new, loved one, child of God, created with a purpose. It's been a pleasure to meet you all. Amen. So, elevators, if you guys could come and join me, uh, line up in the front. We would love to pray for you this morning. Uh, that's what we're here for right now. Uh, we just want to minister to you, minister your identity, who God is calling you. God, I thank you so much for everyone in this room. I thank you for your children, God. I thank you for defining us. I thank you for being at the core of our identity. God, I pray that you would continue to speak over us who we are and how we fit into your picture. In your name we pray. Amen. Go out and give them.